This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network. Joe O, Joe Jaron Hawksworth with you on a Wednesday. Talking some college basketball presented by BetMGM, of course. And joining us right now is Mike Rutherford. He is the manager of CardChronicle.com, the host of the Mike Rutherford Show. And he joins us on the BuyThePhoenix.com guest line. The Phoenix, a revolutionary technology, helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit BuyThePhoenix.com to learn more. Mike, welcome back to the show. Good time at College Hoops right now, and it's interesting. The Big 12, such a great conference this year. I mean, you got six, seven teams right near the top of, of the rankings. And we're trying to handicap this conference right now uh, and who's going to win it with a conference outright. When you look at it, Texas the favorite, Kansas right behind them, and TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State. How do you handicap this right now with about a month to go in this thing, the Big 12 with all these top 15-ish teams? I feel like I keep coming on your guys' podcast and just keep hyping up this Kansas team, which maybe is a little bit too much. Uh, They've been a bit up and down, but I still really like the Jayhawks. They have championship pedigree. Betting against Bill Self in the Big 12 is always a a fool's bet. He seems to just – this is his league still, uh, even in this day and age. You saw what they're capable of last night against Kansas State. I thought they played really, really well. When you look at the rest of their schedule, the home and away does not shape up particularly difficult for them they do have to play at Iowa State on Saturday which is uh, maybe the toughest play to place to play in the Big 12 right now but they get home and home with Texas they get Oklahoma away which is not overly challenging Oklahoma State away which I think is the same thing Baylor at home TCU away which is a little bit tough and then West Virginia and Texas Tech at home they've got one of the there's no easy schedule in the Big 12 but they've got one of the easier schedules in the Big 12 when it comes to the teams that are at the top of the conference right now I think you've got Jalen Wilson is maybe playing the best basketball in the country. Kevin McCullers coming around. Grady Dick does not play like a freshman. I love everything that Kansas is doing right now. I think they're my pick. It, it, again, if you're making a pick in February on February 1st for the Big 12, if Kansas is four games back, they're still probably a pretty good pick to win the Big 12 based on history. But right now with them playing the way that they are and with, it, with their standings, uh, with their place in the standings and with the rest of their schedule looking the way it is, they're my pick to win this conference. No, and you're right. I mean, every college basketball conversation has to begin with the, with this conference. Of the 10, how many do you think is going to get in? I, I find it really interesting outside of the ranked teams, how much credit that the committee is going to end up giving to those teams that, that are going to have a poor conference record due to how challenging it is. I think they're going to wind up getting eight teams in the field. I think Texas wow. Tech is the one obvious out right now. I think, and it's you know, it's a Texas Tech team that was ranked to begin the season, and it looked really good early on. They looked good in the Maui Invitational. They looked like they could, you know, be not just a NCAA tournament team, 
but a team that could make some noise in the tournament. But you're you're one and eight in conference play, I believe. They finally got that first win uh, in the conference over Iowa State earlier this week, which was a game that they were down by 24. I think it was the biggest um, margin of of uh, the biggest comeback victory over a top 15 team in the last 30 years or something like that in college basketball. So maybe that will jumpstart them a little bit, but I still don't think it's going to be enough to get them into the field. And then you look at the rest of the conference. I mean, one of those two teams at the back end is probably not going to make it, whether it's uh, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma is coming off of that huge win over Alabama from over the weekend, which really bolstered their resume. Um, I I still think that you're going to see one of those two teams um, just – not get in. I, I think it's going to be tough for the committee to put nine out of 10 in. I'm going to say eight, which feels about right, given how strong this conference is. Looking at tonight's slate, you've got Marquette, who's 5-0 and ATS at home in their last five games, hosting Villanova, who's been underperforming a bit. Ken Palm has Marquette by 12. I see some sixes, some six and a halves out there. What angles do you like in this matchup? I like Marquette a lot. I think they're another team that I've, I've talked about on this show a decent amount. I, I think that they, they're here to stay. Like, I don't think it's a fluke that they're 17-5 and five right now. I think that they're, they're, they're playing good basketball. The thing about Villanova right now, they're not winning games, but they're, they're, they're competitive against just about everybody. They haven't been beaten by uh, double figures in any conference game besides DePaul, which is a team that they had beaten, I think, 30 straight times before they finally lost to them by 10 uh, last month. They're always keeping it close. I think they're finally starting to respond a little bit to Kyle Neptune, who I, I do think is going to do a good job there. I think he, he comes uh, highly acclaimed by people who know basketball. I can see why people like Villanova to cover the spread. They played Marquette very close the first time they played. Uh, a lot of people think that they should have won that game. I know that this is on the road. But Nova hasn't really been – they haven't been a bad road team. They've been competitive against better teams on the road. They just haven't gotten the win. Marquette is playing good basketball at the moment, but they haven't really been tested since uh, the loss to Xavier a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I shouldn't say that. They, they did beat Providence, who, who's a, a good team as well. I kind of like Nova to cover the spread in this game just based on recent trends. I, I think Marquette's going to win. But if you're seeing that number down at six and a half, six, I still think that Marquette can get under, or Villanova, I should say, can get underneath that number. Marquette wins, Nova covers the spread. Mike, we're at that point of the season now where listeners of ours, you know, people in the, in the space are putting in futures, right? They're starting to think, I'm going to take this team to go win a national title or go to the final four. You probably still get a good number before we get closer to the, to the, uh, to the tournament. When you look at futures and teams, you know, the Ken Pump 2020 always comes up. Teams that are really good on offense, really good on defense. But there's only six of those, as I look at it right now, that are top 20 in both. There's not that many teams that fit that criteria. If you had to choose to back a team that is elite offensively or elite defensively, who would you go with? I'm thinking about Marquette. Elite offensively, defense is still coming along. Rutgers is the second best team in the country defensively, but the scoring, they struggle there. Where, where would you go if you had to pick a, a, that, you know, a team that is strong in one but not as strong in the other? I mean, I feel like Tennessee's the cheat answer here, and aren't they? Because they, you know, they are not just good defensively. They are the best defensive team since Ken Palm started putting, using this metric in 2001. Uh, they just swallow teams up. And offensively, they're not terrible, but they're, they're outside the top 20. They're sitting there at number 30. Um, so if Tennessee's on the board here, I'm going to go with Tennessee. If they're not, if we want to get a little bit more more dangerous, I think that 
I don't think Rutgers is a team that can, can go to the Final Four because they are just so up and down, and they kind of do the thing that is known for where they're really good at home. They're not so great on the road. It's kind of the, you know, they did that. They were off the charts with that last year. They're a little bit better this year. They're kind of – Maryland is the team this year that's doing the Rutgers thing where they can beat anybody at home, but they can't beat anybody on the road. I still think Rutgers is a team that can win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament with the right draw, uh, make the this, this second weekend, maybe make it to a regional final. I like just how ridiculous they are on, on defense. I think Peichel's a really, really good coach. I think they've got guys that have been in that program for a decent amount of time that seem to just kind of gel. I think you look at teams right now that, have, that are cohesive units and not just relying on one or two standout players that can make the offense go. I think those are the teams that can make runs in the NCAA tournament. I Tennessee is my my pick to your question. If we're going a little bit deeper, I think Rutgers is a team that I like to win at least a couple of games in the NCAA tournament. With of course the you have to say this in this in this time of the season, the right draw matchups are are important in March. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough part about futures. No control of that on Selection Sunday. Uh, Xavier Providence tonight. This uh, Fremantle injury out at least a month. How much is that going to hurt Xavier? And does it does it kind of does it give us some clarity? on uh, the winner of the Big East? It, it definitely hurts Xavier. I don't know about this game tonight specifically. I, I think it hurts maybe their chances of winning the conference. But this game tonight, I still feel like this is a favorable matchup for Xavier. Providence is is really good. I mean, Ed Cooley, if you doubted his, his coaching chops last year for whatever reason because they were winning so many close games, he basically restructured the entire roster this season, and they're right there competing for a Big East title again. This matchup specifically, though, I mean, they are a team that relies on just just pure effort. They outplay you. They dominate the offensive glass, despite not being one of the taller teams in the country. Xavier is one of the taller teams in the country. I think that can negate their advantage on the offensive glass. And also, Xavier has been really, really good at home recently. Um, mm-hmm. They're not just winning games. They're, they're covering with relative ease. Um, I... I I kind of think that that's going to be the difference here. They've won eight straight games at home. They've covered the spread in six of those in six of their last nine games. Providence has been fine on the road. They're not going to be intimidated by the environment, but I just think that Xavier's size, their ability to control the defensive glass and not let Providence get those second chance opportunities because look, Providence's offense in, in the half court out of their basic sets is good enough, but they're killing teams with getting offensive rebounds and then kicking it out to, to, big-time shooters like Noah Locke on the perimeter and getting those open looks. I think if Xavier can negate that, which I do think they will, they'll be able to win that game tonight by more than, than two or three points, depending on you know, what, what the line you're getting right here. Mike, what else interests you, whether it's a top 25 game tonight or you know another one? Did anything stand out to you on today's board? I want to see uh, Purdue-Penn State, I think, is a little bit interesting just because it's another one of those matchups kind of like Nova Marquette where – I don't think there's much doubt that Purdue's going to win, but the spread is a little bit of an attractive one, I think, for the underdog. Penn State's been good against the spread recently. They're not winning a lot of games, but Micah Shrewberry has that team really, really competitive. I think that they're, you know, they're not getting beat by healthy margins, even though they're the first time they played Purdue. I think that game it might scare you away from that number if it's in double figures, because Purdue, I think, won on the road by, by 13, if I'm right about that. Purdue has not been great at covering the spread at home. They've been – it's a tough place to play, but they're 2-9-2 and two against the spread in their last 13 home games against a team with a road-winning percentage that's, uh, that's less than 400. 
the road team is has been good in this series. Penn State's been good on the road overall. I don't again. I don't think that they win, but I think that this is a game where they can cover. Purdue is. Uh, I mean, as good as Zach Eady is, he's the national player of the year for a reason. As deserving as they are of their number one ranking, they're not the type of team, top rated team that we've seen in recent years. that's going to come out and just blow the doors off of an overmatched opponent. They're winning a lot of games in that eight to fifteen point range where they're just kind of getting the job done. I still think there are. There are questions about Purdue, uh, I think, when it comes to their NCAA tournament viability. I think those will be on display tonight. I think Penn State covers. I think it's a kind of close game, closer than people are expecting. But Purdue does win by six, seven, eight points. Mike, how good is St. Mary's? Uh, Usually this time of year, we're having the Gonzaga conversation from the West Coast Conference, and they're near the top. And is this their year? Well, they're good. They're not a bad team. Obviously, they're going to win the tournament. But this year at St. Mary's, they have a better record. They're hiring Ken Palm. How good is St. Mary's? I don't imagine it's a team that that these books are taking a lot of bets on, that the public is like, yeah, St. Mary's going to go to the Final Four. But their resume certainly speaks to they've got that kind of potential. It's it's a bad year for Randy Bennett and St. Mary's to have a down Gonzaga because you know they, they play the two yeah. games against the Zags before the end of the season. You would love, in a perfect world if you're St. Mary's, for this to be a Gonzaga team that's consensus top five, that the analytics love as much as they've loved in recent years. And then if you beat them, you can make a strong case to be a top four, top five seed. That's not the case this year. The Zags are are down. There's no question about it. And also the West Coast Conference as a whole is not as good as we expected it to be. Um, Some of those middling programs that have taken large steps in recent years aren't as good as they have been. San Francisco was an at-large bid team uh, last year. They're down with Todd Golden making the move to, to Florida. Uh, Loyola Marymount is good, but not as good as maybe we thought they were going to be. BYU is down. They're not an at-large candidate. It's it's a rough year for St. Mary's. And when you look at their non-conference resume, I know the, the computer rankings love them. They've got a good win over San Diego State. They've got a not great loss to Colorado State. They've got a not great loss to Washington. They lost to New Mexico, which is fine. Richard Pitino is really good. And they played a competitive game against Houston, but they still lost. They don't have those big, sparkling resume wins that can uphold them the way that Gonzaga has when they've lost a couple of games in the WCC in recent years. St. Mary's is kind of working on a, you know, they can't mess up in West Coast Conference play because they don't have the resume to fall back on. I think that they're pretty good. I don't think – like, I don't think they're as good as Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, and a lot of these predictive metrics have them as a top-10 team. And mm-hmm. the reality is nobody knows for sure. We're all just guessing. And I think even if they split with Gonzaga or let's say they sweep Gonzaga, we're still going to kind of be guessing. I, I, I think it's a, it's a weird year for St. Mary's. They kind of get the Gonzaga treatment now where they're going to be a big mystery until they actually play in the NCAA tournament. And you're just, when you're filling out an NCAA tournament bracket, you're just going to have to take a kind of a, a leap of faith one way or the other with them. Mike, we've got about a minute left. I want to follow up what you just said about uh, Zakidi a couple minutes ago. Do you agree with the books that it is done for the Wooden Award with a, with a month of basketball remaining? Uh, Jam has him as minus 1,100. Or do you think that uh, maybe someone else can at least make it a conversation? It kind of feels like it's done. And, you know, you have yeah. to take into account this is a you – know, most of these awards, they're – voted on by the sports writers that you see out there right now who are saying it's done. Zach Eadie's the national mm. player of the year. Um, I mean, I guess there could be a case to be made for somebody if they make a gigantic run. You're seeing a little bit of 
Like there was a little bit of a, of a move earlier this week for Trace Jackson Davis because uh, he was playing so well recently. I saw some people you know, vouching for him. That took a little bit of a hit last night. They get beat by Maryland. Um, some people have talked about Brandon Miller being a freshman play, national player of the year, which I, I don't think is going to wind up happening. It just seems like Edie has been so consistent and his numbers are so staggering. Despite being a player who does not dribble, he's going to be the national player of the year. I'm kind of with those odds makers who are saying this is a done deal. I think not only is he going to be the national player of the year, depending on whichever one of these awards that you look at, he's going to sweep. He's going to be a consensus. He's going to be a unanimous national player of the year. It should be overwhelming despite the fact that we still have, uh, you know, six weeks left here of this season. Mike Rutherford, we appreciate it. Mike Rutherford, cardchronicle.com on the buythephoenix.com. Guests of the Phoenix, a revolutionary technology, helping men all across America get back to their best in the bedroom. Visit buythephoenix.com. To learn more, lightning bets coming your way in 20 minutes on the BetQL Network.